Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Injuries are unfortunately part of the game, but this year there is another layer. Obviously, late changes and COVID protocols impacted last week and already this week. Our job now on this podcast is to work out any advantages, which we'll get into soon. But wow, Jeb, what a weekend. Yeah, it, uh, it was definitely a curveball that Sunday. Um, I must admit, I was looking pretty pretty handsome going into the, the day. And then, yeah, it, it was... Uh, I'm a Mills owner. And, um, yeah, it, it threw, threw me off a bit. Yeah, it was uh, pretty late-breaking with that GWS in Sydney. Uh, I threw up on my Twitter feed that there was some issues pre that sort of breaking because I was listening into some other commentary and, and I thought, wow, that's, that could actually could break out pretty bad. And then so I posted that and then within 10 minutes or 15 minutes later that, uh, yeah, um, all over Twitter and social media feeds that, you know, a certain number of players were out for GWS in Sydney and I thought it was like a, a monster amount. In the end, it wasn't too impactful from a quantity point of view, but Toby Green for GWS and Callum Mills, obviously, for fantasy perspective, it was a monster out. Uh, it was pretty decent owned in that top 25 last week, um, so you were just a part of that, Chip. Yeah, it's, um, like I said, it's, it, you, and you said it's luck of the draw. Um, you really just count it as an injury, and lucky I had Leo Connolly there for a handsome 46, which is not ideal, but it's better than a donut. So obviously, uh, pretty important to keep on news. Obviously, we've got uh, monster changes from the AFL fixture today, which ended up, ended up being not many changes except for Adelaide and Port Adelaide coming to Melbourne. So just really keep an eye out on uh, all reliable Twitter feeds uh, from this point forward uh, for the remainder of the season, I would suggest. And that's right up until game time. So don't assume now, I would I would imagine everyone should be quite aware of this, don't assume until that ball is bounced that your player is playing. So just keep really in tune to news, hey, Jep? Yeah, great. It's, um, it's a different world we live in these days. All right, as always, if you retweet any podcast link, you go in with a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap. Uh, giving you a few more way through some comps to finish out the season. Obviously, some more giveaways at the end of the season, and we're get, getting some beanies made up there as well. Also, AFL Ratings Twitter accounts. Jump on there. Plenty of knowledge, plenty of uh, fast news on there as well, and reliable. So all I ask in return for the, the content are likes and retweets, please. And additionally, uh, fantasy content on aflratings.com.au to help you with some fantasy stuff. And remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking, and we are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, July 20. And it's really important to uh, for those listeners out there, this is AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. So it's not a uh, league matchup, it's not draft, it's actually... We're making decisions based on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. And as always, Jep, as always, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. But I guess on Sunday with Callum Mills, there was not much to make because everyone was pretty much locked in. Is that right? Exactly. It was just really unfortunate. It was the last um, game of the round and it was so late, the late change. God, you just got to imagine now how many people are going to hold their trades to late now, yeah? Well, yeah, look, it's probably a wake-up call for, for some strategies. Um, and <clears throat> where possible, I try not trade to the very last minute. But, 
it's unavoidable, you know, unless it ruins your plan. So, yeah, being in the top 100 and top 25 coaches in in fantasy, I'm sure there'll be a few backup plans, no doubt. All right, on to general questions. Is it time to solidify bench cover? Oh, I think it's it's time to shore it up, you know, um, and even getting in... The trading in the sharps of the world who scored 123. You know, look at look at how beneficial that we started the round with, with a sharp on bench with the emergency and then looping that through. So, that was a great way to um or great example, sorry, to to shore up your benches and get everything set because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, for me, there's a few good uh, players out there with a low salary. So yeah, I'd be definitely targeting them. And just making some moves around where you want, what you want to do with your roster and sort of locking in that cover on each line, Jep. So it's not just your midfield, it's not just your forward line, it's just each line because you never know if one of those players, which is highly owned, um, zips out and people don't have bench cover, like in a rack spot, is that mm. what's going to happen is you're going to make up 80, 90, potentially 100 points on, on other teams, Jep. Yep, agree totally. Okay. Again, I'm just going to remind people that this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy uh, Classic overall, so it's, it's about improving your rank. So the, the decision-making process is completely different to a league matchup or a draft league. So this is something that needs to be understood when we discuss players. So, Jep, name three areas to focus in on for round 19. So adequate bench cover, as we just spoke about, is the first one. Uh, number two is um, targeting the soft matchups for the primos. So examples are Steel versus West Coast and Lloyd versus the Dockers. I think they're pretty pretty soft matchups, so those primos should be targeted. And then captain picks, as always. You know, a lot of coaches were burnt by Grundy's um, poor second half against Carlton. So just making sure you, you're doing the research there and, and ticking that box. Yeah, for me, number one, identify wholly owned players that have a potential for a low score or even a ceiling game. So you can either target that one way or another or trade out what your potential uh, difficult matchup could be or you target someone with a pretty soft matchup. And number two, understand how many players in your team are unique to the rest of the field. That's really important, Jeb. As we sort of yeah. mentioned last week, you've got 17 players, pretty much everyone's got at this stage. So everyone sort of crams in to, you know, the players that are scoring well as much as what we can. So you pretty much got a group of 17 players. So we're pretty much at this stage of the season playing with five uniques only. And that's not much of a wiggle room to actually um, manage your rank up and down. Well, you pretty much everyone wants to improve their rank and go up, but, you know, you've really got to understand what your uniques are and target uh, certain players to be quite unique to other teams. And number three for me, keep updated on AFL Ratings Twitter feed uh, for fantasy-related content. Obviously, all over it every day, every single day, so won't miss. Um, So anything that comes out there that's fantasy-related, you know that that is on that Twitter feed um, instantly. And again, uh, likes and retweets for the content provided. That's all I ask for in return. Alright, Jeff, current assessments. We're going to talk about round 18 ownership, top 25. So the Rucks, Max Gorn last week was 100%, remained so, 100%. So Brody Grundy, uh, post buy, uh, a lot of people traded him out with that neck injury. And FOMO was real post buy when he started posting some scores. He's now up to 92%. Sean Darcy at 36%. Rolly O'Brien, 4%. That's what the Rucks situation is, Jeff. So discuss any one of those. Oh, look, I think the Darcy one is is a bit tricky to go into this round, but um, everything, you know, even though Gorn's 
still getting the job done. He, he could be better. Um, I don't think there's too many major moves this week to be had in the ruck line. So, Jeb, out of the top 25 coaches, right, uh, 23 have that Gorn and Grundy combination. Yeah, it's a safe bet. Um, like I said, I think this is the week not to toy with that and take punts with that. But um, maybe next week or the week after, you could trade a Gorn and get creative. Just on to some other notes before we get into the defenders, midfielders and forward line. Uh, three coaches in the top 25 retained Lockie Whitfield. So he was ruled out with concussion protocol last week. So three coaches retained. Now, Callum Mills' bench cover was mostly uh, a group of three players. It was James Madden, who scored 23 points. It was Leo Connolly, who scored 46 points. It was Trent Bianco, which was the saviour for many, scored 74 points. So obviously, who you had in that slot on that bench cover for Mills was a big saviour or a big fail. Jep, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the difference between 74 and 23 or Madden Bianco is 50 points right there. So... It's a huge, huge um, advantage to make sure you're short up in your emergencies and in well, all emergencies at this point. Yeah, and so like if you've got kind of West sitting as an emergency, that's fantastic. If you've got uh, Jeremy Sharp in that same situation there as well, something similar, uh, that's fantastic as well. And then obviously you can loop their scores into the round as they go on. So that's a pretty important point, Chip, is that you can manage these, those scores onto the ground if they especially play early in the weekend, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a huge advantage and... Like we still need to find out what the final fixture is for this round, but um, you must plan ahead with not just VC captains, but also these rooks that potentially, like Jeremy Sharp last week, could score a ton. Okay, Holly own plays defenders, Jeb. So Rory Laird, 96%, Aaron Hall, 96%, Callum Mills, 64% of the top 25. So uh, pretty decent ownership there. So that was an increase of uh, just for one coach from the previous week. So unfortunately, that one coach um, traded in and obviously copped Mills for no score. And Dan Houston, who struggled recently, is at 56%. So, he's mo- so a couple of coaches did trade him out. And then Tom Stewart, 52%, pretty solid there, so a little bit of an increase there. Jeff, thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, again, it's there's probably be some luxury trades, but the, the damage controls with Mills and what you do, and yeah, if you're a top-ranked coach, you obviously want to trade him and, and maximise your points, so that's what will happen. So just some other coaches there. Ozzy coming 44%, Jordan Lee 40%. Jaden Short, 28. Jake Lloyd, pretty unique at this stage, I would have thought, at 28. Nick Hine, 28. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Jack Crisp at 24. Jack Bowes, 20. And Nick Newman struggling a little bit there as well at 16%. Yep, thoughts on any one of those? Well, I like Crisp and Lloyd a lot. So um, that's what I'd be targeting if I were to trade out um, the others. Yeah, like that, like those sorts for sure. Okay, on to the midfield. So Holly owned again. Zach Merritt, 100%. Taranto, 92%. McRae, 92%. Mitchell, 88%. Walsh, 80%. Darcy Parrish, 56%. So, Jeff, if we take the first group group of players, so it's five midfielders. So five of the eight midfielders pretty much the same. So you, you're pretty down, pretty much down to three midfielders to go a little bit unique from other coaches. Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's no surprises in those numbers. It's it's what's coming next that um, that's where you're going to get a bit of play with um, gaining some advantage in overall rank. 
Okay, so just some others there. Taylor Adams, 36%. Lockie Neal, uh, seen a pretty decent increase uh, previous to last week, uh, 36% now. Now, he was checked out for a shoulder concern uh, today at training. So Brisbane have come out uh, post-training and said that he's available to play this week. So just keep an eye out for news on that, just in case something else changes throughout the week. But he was targeted last week from the top 25 coaches. Ollie Wines, 28%. Jack Steele, who I really like, at 28%. Clayton Oliver, 24%. Brad Crouch, 16%. Took Miller, man, like 16%. That's so unique to everyone else. And so Andrew Brayshaw, 12%. I still like him there, Jet. Marcus Bontepelli, 8%. I really like him. Jared, sure, Lyon, yeah. Jared Lyons, 4%. Joy Simpkin there at 4%. Christian Petrarca, 0 Cam Guthrie at 0 I like both of those. And also Clayton Oliver in there as well, Jet. Yeah, look, again, you got to get the um, the uniques here. Look, for me, it's Jack Steele. If you could, you got to sell the kitchen sink. Um, but, yeah, the, the Guthrie types of the world that can go real big on their day, um, and they've got a pretty good matchup this week as well. So <sighs> Richmond with no tagging and Geelong liking to play possession footy against the Tigers. So, yeah, there's um, there's a lot of a lot of potentials, mate, and that's what makes fantasy interesting. Um, but, yeah, naturally... You're, you're targeting these lowly ranked players. Josh Kelly, it's a forward line now, Josh Kelly, 100%. So obviously he came off with an ankle injury on the weekend. So Giants have come out today and pretty much said that he's okay for this week, or he's pretty much probable. But really keep an eye on what GWS say, because previously they've had some history of saying players that will play, and they haven't played. Now, the worst part about that, Jep, is that at this stage, the way it's looking at with the round 19 fixture, GWS are going to be the last game of the round. Now, as what we did see last week, the, the late change, especially, you know, not many people could have, well, if you had a foreseen what was going to happen with Callum Mills, you would have obviously made those decisions in advance. But with Josh Kelly, and that, now this is known, is that it's potentially the last game, people are going to make their decisions based around you know, he's a potential late out, Jeff. So how are you going to plan Josh Kelly this week? Oh, it's, it's just a nightmare. It's, um, so you can run that obviously two ways. You, you play your emergency if he is the late out and you just run the gauntlet or you trade him out for someone healthy um, and in and playing pretty good footy. So obviously it depends on your situation of other players, but if it was me going for over a rank, you've got to trade him out. There's no other way around it. The maximise your points, you've got to bring in the, the primo guns and um, you need cash to do that. So, uh, yeah, it's a trade. So you would trade him out and hope, pretty much hope, that he's a laid out. Him, and, yeah, and absolutely. Anyone else is in a lot of trouble. Is that what you're planning Correct. for? Yeah, I would run that risk. I'll run that... Um, I'd put those bets on, yeah. Um, how do I... Look, it would. There's no clear winner here, um, but I think the biggest advantage you get is if Kelly is named and then is the laid out. Yeah, pretty much. That's so. That's why you really got to keep a tune into the news for this week. Now, I said on a solo podcast that you know it didn't really look good for Kelly. And then I'll wake up today and then obviously multiple reports from GWS themselves are saying, yeah, he should be okay. Now, from what we did see on the weekend in that game, that that actually looked pretty nasty, ankle injury. Now, 
And that was when he was carried off. So not so much the movement of his ankle uh, during the injury, but it was the way he was carried off um, that I thought that was actually pretty serious. But, you know, they've, they've come out this week and said he's probable, but I would certainly play my decision-making into, you know, potentially there's a laid out. Now, uh, if he good, plays good and well and then you need to hold him, well, that's fine. But, yeah, there could be some movement again. And this is what we're talking about for AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. You need to make some decisions and make some trades and make some other choices that, you know, could improve your rank. And this is pretty much one of those, Jeff. Yeah, 100%. All right, we've got Jordan Degoe at 88%. So, obviously, his midfield usage has been pretty solid, and he is just racking it up, Jeff. So, he was a plus 40 increase from last week, so 88% there. Uh, Scott Pendlebury, 80% solid. Um, Patrick Dangerfield, 72%. Lockie Hunter, 60%. Uh, discuss any one of those, Jeff. Yeah, the Zagoi one's an interesting one because I see that as a risk um, just with his role change and how volatile Collingwood would be at the moment. But, um, yeah, it seems like Robert Harvey and, and Robert Harvey in control likes him in the midfield as much as possible, which is interesting. All right. So next group of players in the forwards, uh, lowly owned there. Matthew Kennedy, uh, quietly unique there, Jeff. So 20% there. Dane Zorko, still unique, 12%. Still side bottom, struggling there, 12%. Jack Zebel, low score on the weekend, 8%. Jaden Stevenson, uh, big score, then a moderate score, 8%. And Rowan Marshall, so there's another one we're going to talk about, talk about from a COVID protocol point of view, is that you know he attends that rugby match and he's now out for round 19 because... Uh, St Kilda in lockdown over in Perth and he is one of those that cannot play in round 19 so unfortunately for those who traded in Marshall last week uh, they got the big score but unfortunately they're faced with an out this week Jeff yeah that's uh, that's a tough pill to swallow Um, they would have been jumping for joy on the Saturday after a good score from um, Marshall but yeah that's yeah wow unlucky yeah that's pretty unlucky right there all right, Jeff, so who are your five targets for round 19, assuming you don't own any? So, yeah, Jack Steele for me against West Coast. I think he'll have a day out. I like uh, Jake Lloyd against Fremantle. Ollie Wines keeps getting it done, and that game's under the roof at Marvel, so that would be pretty appealing for him against Collingwood. Walsh against North Melbourne. Really love what Walsh is doing, obviously. And then Tom Stewart, um, yeah, I just like the way Tom goes about it, especially against Richmond. There'll be a lot of possession football from Geelong on Richmond and just try to frustrate Richmond out of it. Um, So I'm expecting the big scores from them this week and here on in for the rest of the season. Yeah, Jack Steele right there, number one for me. Uh, Took Miller at number two. Sam Walsh at number three, which is interesting from my point of view. And then we've got uh, Clayton Oliver at number four and Bontempelli uh, at number five there. Well, Jeff, we're going to talk about some notable low break evens now. So Max Lynch, still no movement on him from a Collingwood perspective. So 229K minus 11. Connor West, fantastic debut. Now, he was a massive target uh, pretty much for those low salary guys last week, uh, and clearly so. So he scored 76%. His role was actually really good through that midfield, and that's what Adam Simpson said last week. That he said his proximity to the ball was actually going to be quite good. So he was a clear number one, and it played out that way. So 76 points there, well done. So 202K, and he's still a target there, minus 10. Your thoughts on West? 
Yeah, I thought he was great. Seventy-six fantasy points. Um, you know, he's a he's an old-fashioned footballer, isn't he? he Reminded me a bit of Matt Prittis, the mm. the in and under type that just gets it out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like what he does, like the energy he brought to the group. Um, you know, the fresh face and his um, his work ethic was a lot better than you know. And now with Shuey out with the calf strain, yeah. it only benefits West. Yeah, his proximity to the ball was actually quite strong. So another player that had a really good role last week, it was actually a fantastic role, and he scored quite well, is Jeremy Sharp. Scores a 123, a monster-sealing game. So he's at 399k now, which is quite expensive, minus nine break-even. But uh, if he's locked into that role for the remainder of the season, you know, you've got to imagine, and if Port, uh, Gold Coast are going to be uh, chipping it around and they're a pretty decent uncontested mark team, that Sharp is going to see uh, some decent scores... But still young into his career, so there could be some volatile scoring. But, yeah, I'd really like Sharp here, Jip. Yeah, look, the way he – it was a surprise, wasn't it, against the Bulldogs? So um, you all, everyone was expecting the Bulldogs to really dominate possession. And um, But, I, you know, having Ellis, Brandon Ellis out early probably helped him um, and they looked to him as a traditional wingman. Uh, but yeah, really good by the young fella and um, really good to have him on the bench or on the field for a couple. As I have said on the solo podcast for a few times this season, is that the game plan against the Bulldogs is to just chip the ball around and don't let them get the ball. So then they can't play their fast, slick handball movement type game. So you, you're still going to see uh, plenty of teams for the remainder of the season take uh, a stack of uncontested marks against the Bulldogs. And that was the Gold Coast Suns last week. All right, so on to Nick Bryan. So no movement on him as well. So 195k minus five. Kieran Briggs. Now he's pretty much in a deep, pretty decent position now for the Giants. Matt Flynn is ruled out with a shoulder injury for the remainder of the season, so he's likely to undergo surgery on a shoulder reconstruction, unfortunately for Flynn. But now with Mumford, uh, with his back injury. Uh, could be sidelined for a little bit, maybe. So you just got to monitor his progress. But Briggs now is in a pretty decent spot, Jeb. So 255k minus four break even. I really like it if you can get him into your team, Jeb. Yeah, and that's what we talk about, shoring up those benches. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but my forward line bench is not looking great. So, yeah, Briggs becomes an option. Ned Reeves came into the team. He started really slowly on the weekend for the Hawks, 49 only. So he's up to 290k now, minus one break even. So a little bit expensive. And if he doesn't have that clear number one ruck roll, um, you know, his scores could be volatile. I still like it, but it's pretty much a decent price to pay for him right now, Jet. Yeah, look, it's probably just out of reach. And um, uh, look, at this point of the season, I think that extra 50 grand or, or whatever could go a long way. So Trey Roscoe plays off half-back for Magpies last week, and it was actually pretty good. Scores 77 points, so 220k minus one break even. But I need to tell you that Jeremy Howe's due back next week, so that pretty good, pretty much could take his scoring away, Jeff. Thoughts? So that's next week for Howe, it's not this week. Yeah, it's not. Roscoe's not the long-term go, is it? So I, I maintain, like, any rook and any primo that you bring in from this point on, you just got to assume you got him for the rest of the season. So um, with that news, he wouldn't bring in a Roscoe. So Lockie Bramble did actually okay last week. So 73 points, 362k now, Jeb. So it's up there in price. I probably much, pretty much wouldn't spend that. But minus one break even is okay. If you're desperate, I would go to Bramble, but only if you're desperate, Jeb. 
Yeah, look, I think against Adelaide, it's an, it's an appealing matchup this week. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be trading him in. I just think the current owners put the E on him or have him on field if, if you're thin in that forward line and, and run with it. Yeah, Oliver Henry for the Magpies was a little bit raw early in the year. Uh, when he came in, but uh, looked pretty good on the weekend uh, up forward for the Magpies. So 76 points, hit the scoreboard as well. So uh, you're going to see some volatile scoring as a semi-key top forward. So 248k and a zero break even jet. So volatile scoring, I still like him at that price, but you're going to expect some volatile scoring. But if you need to uh, shore up some bench cover, I would expect that he's going to play uh, for the majority of games to finish the season, Chip. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously he kicked a, a bag of goals and that contributed to a good score. So yeah, I can't see him kicking bags of four goals every week. So let's, um, I, I would look elsewhere. So you got Luke Foley there, 269k, just to finish off here. Break even at two, and Sam Durham on debut last week looked actually pretty, uh, pretty good. Had a decent role early. Uh, did turn it over a couple of times, which is a little bit of a concern, but I did mind what he did on the weekend on debut. So 49 points, 186k, and eight break even. I did mind it, Jeff. Yeah, look, he's bench cover, isn't he? So he, he did the job. He, he obviously should have kicked that goal. When he had that opportunity early, um, so it could have been a lot better. But he'll warm into it, and he looks like a likely type. The DPP defender mid-status is the biggest appeal with Dermot. Okay, other players to consider below 750k, Jep. So we're going to zip through these pretty quickly. So just one line for you on each. So Cam Guthrie, 747k, break even at 112. I do like him. Yeah, me too. I really like him. Very low owned, so that's one player that we should be targeting. Sean Darcy, 744k. Uh, obviously, knee concern last week, so I think he's probable for this week. So positive news coming out of Fremantle, but obviously monitor that news. 96 break even. Jeff, I wouldn't target him, but if you're an owner and needing to play, um, signs are pretty positive at this, this time of the week. Well, I'm one that needs him to play, mate, so I'll take that. And, um, yeah, obviously Freya had a, a longer break from um, last Thursday night to Sunday game. So that that's handy and for the big fella, and let's hope he gets up. Yeah, Docker's desperate for a win to maintain that finals chance. So Brad Kratz, the next one for the Saints, 126 last week. It was really good, 743K, break even of 111. Um, moderate to low ownership in the top-ranked coaches. I like him still, Jeff. Yeah, I like him again against West Coast this week. I think he'll turn it on. On to Port Adelaide now. One player that's really underrated at Port Adelaide, there's Carl Amon. He does have a ceiling. 743k, 70 break-even, and obviously low ownership. I do like him. I'm not a fan of Amon. I think he's one that can go up and down, although he's had a fantastic season, and I really hope on a side note he's in the, in the All-Australian squad, but uh, no for fantasy. Okay, Lockie Neal, obviously shoulder concern at training today, so obviously keep an eye out for, for that for the remainder of the week and leading into the Brisbane game against Gold Coast at the Gabba on Saturday. So 737k, 105. Now, with that shoulder concern, Jep, I wouldn't be targeting him or putting him in my plans if I didn't own Neal. But for those that do own Neal, uh, signs are pretty good that he's going to play... Uh, you're pretty much going to have to hope at this stage that he's going to get through through the main of the season. So that's a couple of times now with the shoulder, Jep. Yeah, look, you can't trade him in. It's just um, 
for current owners, hoping he plays and plays well. I think, um, like I said, with all what's going on around, the last thing we need is to trade in um, anyone with a niggle or, or injury history. Yep. Um, and, and Neil's had a tough run of it this season. Luke Parker, low-owned, break-even of 95, 735k. Yep, he's low-owned, and that's probably he can score. We know he has a pretty decent ceiling when he gets going. I like it. I like it too. It's this is the one where it's big risk, big reward, um, and not having Mills around helps Parker's scoring potential. Yeah, for this week. Okay, Jack Crisp, 117 break-even. I pretty much disregard that. 732k. I think it's actually a pretty good pick, and he's not really owned yet. Yeah, I, I yeah, I've had him most of the year, so I'm a big fan. Um, he's actually been reliable. A couple of seventies can happen, but. Um, yeah, he um, he can go 120 pretty consistently. And Chris May, we really haven't talked about him all year, but the last seven, 106.3 all of a sudden, Jeff, eh? And 730k, his role's really good, 102 break even. I do like it. But, I do like it too, yeah, but, but what Joe you said Hale, before. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What you said before about how coming back and and how that affects Maine's um, for one role and two amount of ball use in the back half. So probably a bit risky, that one. Jack Zebel low score last week, 723k, 122. I still like Zebel off half back. It wasn't his day last week against the Bombers, yet. Yeah, look, it wasn't. Um, I'm still wary. Um, I'm avoiding Zebel um, just because he seems to get a lot of his points these days in recent weeks from kick-ins. So, yeah, going to avoid that one and go a bit different. Okay, Lockie Whitfield, obviously, uh, all signs are pretty much okay that he's going to return from concussion protocol this week. So if you're an owner, all good. Now, his break-even of 155, Jeff, it's a monster break-even, 721K. So a couple of questions I'm going to ask you right here. If you don't own him and traded him out, is he a target? So, and you disregard the 155K, or do you wait a week or two? What are you thinking? I think that you ignore the 155 break-even, okay? I think at this point, it's all about points. Um, and I think the Mills to Whitfield against, given that they play Essendon, is a no-brainer almost. So um, Essendon give up a lot of points on the outside, as you know you saw against um, North Melbourne on the weekend. And um, imagine what Whitfield's going to do there, especially with them desperate for the uh, one a win and two breaking the line. So I think he's a shoe in for a big game. Now, for anyone that watched that game between Essendon and North Melbourne last week, it was actually bruise-free, chip it around, and Aaron Hall just had a field day. It was fantastic. It was just the way he was racking up the points. Now, if that is another chip-around type, uncontested type game, Whitfield could just go nuts. Now, we haven't seen a monster ceiling game from him this year. Obviously, he had that injury, big injury concern early in the year. But this is the type of game where he could actually really go off, Jip. Completely agree, mate. And, um, yeah, let's use Aaron Hall as a benchmark from last week as what potentially we feel could do this week. Now, your mate Shannon Hearn, he's actually can score really good at uh, taking those intercept marks for Eagles. I actually really like this pick. Uh, obviously no ownership there. 7-11K break, even of 83. Jeb, I like it. And if he's playing that role for the rest of the season, just intercepting, I know a couple of players could come in back into that team for the Eagles. But if he's that general in that back line for West Coast, I love it. Yeah, I love it too, except the old man, you know, ping the calf um, that he has a history of doing. So I can't do it. I think that's too risky. 
Christian Salem. Now, uh, liked him last week and, and have done for a while there. 709K, break him 94. Jeb, I like. Yeah, I like him too, especially this week. Um, I think, like you said before, they play the Bulldogs and Melbourne's game plan, especially with the intercept markers, they might hold the ball off uh, the Bulldogs a bit. And Salem could be one of these sneaky ones that just pops up for his biggest score of the year. He scored 126 against Hugo West a few weeks ago, and I reckon there's going to be... A score in the 120 potentially again. Patrick Dangerfield. I'm sitting on the fence again here with Danger. 705k. Hit the scoreboard last week to get to his score and break even at 85. So I'm I'm on the fence here, Jip. Yeah, I'm going to avoid Danger now just because he's so one. He's so popular um, and he's popular in that top 100, top 25 for where I'm going for. So um, yeah, it's a no. So he's at 72%. So if you don't own him and you're trading him in, you're actually not gaining anything, Chip. Exactly. So you'd think you're gaining more by not owning him and just hoping, dare I say it, for um, you know, rest and, yeah, and just else. poor games. It's sometimes it's a bit like Dusty Danger where he just does enough when, when Geelong in control. And given how Geelong are at the minute and so probably the, the informed team of the comp, um, you know, if they're up by four, six goals in the third quarter or fourth quarter, they're not going to utilise danger um, and throw him in the midfield and put his head over the ball. They're just going to protect him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't like that. I'd like the, picking the primos that they, where their side's vying for either top two or top four, um, everything's on the line or top eight even, and um, they've got to go all guns blazing. So... As I said earlier in our podcast last year, Jeb, is that Chris Scott, they've turned into a team that will manage their experienced-type players through into the finals. One of those last year, obviously, was Joel Selwood, and they've had a history of that. So they're really conservative with how much uh, pressure or sort of like endurance or even sort of game time or contested-type footy into these players throughout a home-and-away season when their most important goal is the premiership. So, obviously, it's making finals qualified, get your players through to that, get your list into a healthy position as possible, and then attack for a premiership. Now, they just came up a little bit short last year, but it's the same game plan again this year to manage your top players through to their finals, which they're going to do, and it's all about that premiership, Jeff. Yeah, spot on, spot on. So, you know, Geelong aren't going to take any risks. If anything, they'll start resting players uh, once they shore up that top two spot. Well, they did that with Selwood on a short break. So I'm not too sure yeah. Danger's in that uh, category because he's had a, a fair bit of time off his legs this year. Obviously, he had injuries, but he's had a fair bit of time off his legs. So he hasn't really had that uh, big workload for this year. Uh, but, yeah, high ownership, I would in your boat as well. I would probably avoid look somewhere else to find a differential. So Jaden Short there for the Tigers, Jeb. So 102 from his last two, and that's without Basha Hawley. So 693k, 101, break even. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Tom Stewart, you said he liked you said you liked him previously. I am in that same boat. 688k, 104, break even. But yeah, teams are starting to engage him, as I've said previously on the podcast. So there might be a little bit of volatility there, but yeah, I think he can pop up these 110s for the remainder of the season without any issue whatsoever. So, you know, if he goes off, and again, it's Geelong managing their game to make finals, which they're going to do. So, you know, you don't want to put your players in any contested situation. So once they get get a game in hand, you've got to figure that Tom Stewart is going to be in those plus six scenarios, Jeff. 
Absolutely, and that's why I like it at this stage of the season. I wasn't big on him earlier because I didn't think he would climb hugely in value. I thought it was a, you know, you pulled the trigger on on Stewart towards the end of the season, and I think that's now. Yeah, those junk time last quarters for Tom Stewart could be very much in play. I do agree with that. So on to Jordan Degoe. So last four one sixteen point eight. So he's been pretty pretty decent, Jeb. So six eighty six k. Even at this price, at 686, I still like him, and I still think he's value because he's he's going to uh, accumulate disposals with ease through that midfield. So break even a 49 is not going to hurt you, and even more so now, Callum Brown is out for the remainder of the season. So if they're going to put like a player like Finn McRae in that team, they're going to still have to have that experience rolling through there. And and, and no doubt, I think the go is in that sort of. Uh, midfield role for the remainder of the year. Jet. It's, it was a green light a few weeks ago, and it's still a green light for me. Your thoughts? Yeah, again, the only thing is the volatile positioning. So does he hold that role um, for the whole season? It looks likely. Um, but with everyone jumping on and him being the flavour of the week and month, I, I'm going to look elsewhere personally. Yeah, he's definitely highly owned now. So onto Dyson Heppel, 683 K106. Now he can score in that back line for the Bombers. Um, no ownership pretty much uh, right there as well, so I do like it, Chip. Yeah, me too. I think he's pretty solid and they like the ball in his hand. Now, Braden Fiorini. So I said last week that I can't guarantee his role in that team or even his role within that team for the remainder of the season. Now, Brandon Ellis goes out with a hamstring, so he's on the wing role, not really what uh, Fiorini has been playing, but what it does provide is another option for him to remain in that team. So now, I actually really like it. So, no Greenwood for the remainder of the season. Alice is out two to three weeks. And Fiorini at 679k. No real ownership. Has a monster ceiling, as we know. 74 break even. Jeff, I now love it. Last week I was concerned. Now I love it. We live in a sick world, my friend, if, um, you know, Fiorini's coming to the table. But he just finds the footy. Yep. So, um there's value there, it's appealing, um, and the no ownership as well. So definitely a left field play, but a play that could pay off. Jacob Hopper, 118.5 from his last two games. So he's been getting it done. 678k, uh, break even is 78. So he does have volatile scoring there, Jet, but the last couple of weeks he's got it done. Yeah, he has, and I think where GWS are at, again, they, they're going to rely on him a lot. So... Um, I have noticed he, he can play well and still score on the 80-odd, so it is a risk. Um, does he have a high enough ceiling? Probably not, so you might want to look elsewhere. Jake Lloyd. I was hoping he was going to get down to those low 600s, but didn't really get there. Obviously, he uh, popped in a pretty decent score recently. So 676k, break-even of 88. I do like it, Jeff. Yeah, this yeah, it's a no-brainer now for me, especially with um, the Mills injury. And ownership-friendly as well, Jip. Yeah, absolutely. So Frio um, this week really liked the matchup, and um, yeah, yeah, I'm expecting 120. So Todd Goldstein, I've got him in our little list here. So last six is 96.2, so he just quietly got it done, hey, Jip. 675k, break-even to 90. So over this... Pretty much the same period. I've gone in the last four with Gorn. He's averaged 99, so pretty much the same scoring rate, yet. Well, yeah, and this is the thing. If you want to go a bit different, um, those with Darcy, and if, if it's looking like Darcy doesn't get up, and yeah, then Goldie's an option. So, oh, you know, Todd's not any younger than he, <laughs> than he was five years ago in his prime, but... 
still getting it done. It's it's quite impressive, actually. I, I don't think Goldie gets the accolades he, he deserves. He's so important to that football club of North Melbourne, and um, he's leading the young group. Here's the issue, though, Jep. Gorn and Grundy, it's number one and number two, pretty much locked in for the highly ranked team. So it's got to be, if you're bringing Goldie in, it's going to be at the expense of Grundy or Gorn. So that's pretty much the decision we have to make. It's pretty much not Darcy, it's Grundy or Gorn. I, I don't even think I could do it, but if I was going to choose one, it would be Gorn. It's something you could do in the last couple of rounds. So you really, if you say you're ranked about 20th, or 15th overall and, and you're trying to really be different and gain that leg up, that's when you do it, but not yet, not now. Yeah, and I think with uh, the issues of this week with uh, COVID protocol players, uh, there's plenty of other issues to deal with before we even started looking at how uh, unique you can get. So pretty much one to show off and maybe later in the season. So Daniel Rich, no ownership there, 673k, break even on 100 jet, odds to lock. Yeah, he just doesn't have that ceiling for me, so not for me. I know you don't like Luke Ryan, 665k, 102, I still like. But not really getting it done with these ceiling games. No, unfortunately he's not, but hey, one for next year for sure. Andrew Gaff, now there's no ownership right here. Pops in for 114 last week. Uh, Is anyone going to buy it at the 658k break even to 90 jib? Oh, look... It's, I'm not because I've traded him out during the year. Um, so it's there's a bit of taste in my mouth. He he can really kill the, the lesser teams, can't he? So St Kilda, I reckon he's in for a half-decent game, but um, long-term, who knows? So before the start of the season, if I had have told you you can get Andrew Gaff at 658k, what yeah. would you have done? Yeah, without knowing the history, you'd jump at it, wouldn't you? So, yep. yeah. Uh, no ownership. Look, no ownership. It's it's the he's got the ground of the stadium this week against St Kilda, who aren't the the most locking team. But Seb Ross could go to him, um, especially with Shui out. So, look, uh, high risk, high reward, isn't it? Okay, the next one, Zach Tui. Uh, he's played a pretty decent role there uh, in defence, accumulating disposals and add on to the wing as well for the Cats. So last five, he's actually averaged 96.4 jet. So 656k break even to 69. It's very left field. Yeah, it's good for DFS, but uh, not so good in fantasy. Um, I think, again, not having the ceiling, it's it's fine I'd avoid. Jake Stringer, 84 last week, and he got there very late. He It looked like a bit of a disaster early. 651k. Break even of 81, I am a complete avoid here. Yeah, I, absolutely. It's like having... It, see, Jake Stringer is more prone to be forward than to going, but they're a similar player, aren't they, where they can both go into the midfield a bit and, and throw their weight around. So, yeah, Stringer, uh, Stringer no for me. Uh, just from memory there, just before halftime, he's on about 22 points, I was looking. So I think he scored 57 in the last quarter. Yeah, it was a monster. Yeah. It was a huge, it was a fantastic last quarter. Anyway... On to Scott Pendlebury, last six, 92.5. So his ceiling hasn't been there, but he's not never really been that ceiling-type player. 640K and 94 break-even. I think the ownership's too high, so if you don't have him, I would probably look elsewhere now, Jeff. Yeah, great. Lockie Hunter does have ownership there, 97 last week. 633K break-even and 102. Uh, pretty decent ownership there again, Jeff. I would look elsewhere. So 60% in that top 25. 
Yeah, you've got to look elsewhere, especially with what he's been punching out in recent weeks. Yeah, I was concerned about Steele's side, side bottom a few weeks ago, and that's the way it's played out. Last three, he's averaged just 63 points, so a bit of a fail there. 6-11-K, break-even on 117. I am going nowhere near side bottom, Chip. Agreed. I, I wouldn't touch him. Nat Five shoulder concerns again, was assessed at the weekend. 6 6 k 101 break-even. Now he's at 6 6 k and like, that looks quite appealing for Nat Five, but not with that shoulder, Chip. Yeah, couldn't do it. Any again, we've said a thousand times on this podcast and all year, you can't bring in players with injury history and injury um, risk. So Nick Newman, volatile scoring as we did see last week, just 61.605k break even and 91. Too much volatility there for me, Jep. Agreed. Sam Menegola, we talked about him a few weeks ago off podcast, whether we were going to target him. So a couple of people there did target him. He scored 129 points in a season-high performance. So he's at 604K, break-even to 59. Not much ownership there, Jeb, but you're going to play a little, with a little bit of fire for the remaining rounds of the season. I don't mind it. Yeah, it's funny because if... Um our teams, we didn't know if Durham was playing yet. It wasn't confirmed. But if I knew that he was playing on that Thursday or Friday night, uh, Thursday night, sorry, I would have had Menangola in my side. So I think it's worth the risk. I think, again, the way Geelong are going to play from here on in, it's more possession football and safe football, and um, that's going to suit Menangola. So Matthew Kennedy in that Blues midfield, and he's been pretty strong in that midfield as well. So the last five games, he's averaged 97.9. He's been really solid. No Crips last week. Crips is due back this week, so a little bit of impact there as well. But he's pretty much locked into that midfield, inside midfield usage role. And this is the sort of fantasy game we've been wanting for quite a few years. So he's now he's at that point. So 599k, I still think it's a pretty good price pretty good price for what he can, what he is producing lately. 57 break even. Jep, I do like it. Yeah, I love it. Jordan Ridley, probably too much volatility here for me, Jep. So 80 last week, 596k. I, I do like it, but I'm not pretty much not going to re- recommend him for the remainder of the year. Break even at 90, Jep. No, you can't because he hasn't played a ceiling game for, what, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. So you just can't do it. So Rowan Marshall, this is the one we talked about previously. So he comes in that team, scores pretty well, and he's increased his uh, game time percentage over the last few weeks since coming back from injury. So 122 points last week, great. Out for COVID protocol this week, not so great. 584k, break even 54. So you've got to imagine next week, so leading into round 20, he's going to be a little bit of a target there, Jeff. So especially with his uh, forward status. Yeah, look, um, obviously, yeah, playing with trades on the Sunday night once lockout lifted, he was one of the players I was looking at. So unfortunately... Uh, not this week, but it might be next week. So with Dustin Martin out now, so who's going to get that inside midfield usage for the Tigers uh, without Dusty? So it could be Shea Bolton. So we know he can score at a pretty decent rate. So 84 last week, 584k, break even at 90. Is it going to be Shea Bolton, Jeb? If it is, he can pretty much post some decent scores and there's no ownership. Yeah, I don't mind Shea Bolton. I think um, with the way that the injuries are at the Tigers, they'll they'll need Bolton at the forefront of the in the midfield, and um, yeah, he should produce the goods. Tim Kelly, uh, he was questionable last week with that knee injury. So 94, he scored, which was actually quite okay. 583k break even of 59, but just on the fact that he was questionable even last week, I'm pretty much going to avoid for the remainder of the season here, Jeff. Yeah, agreed. He's another player with an injury cloud over his head, and I'm not, I don't have time for that, mate. Not with the rest of uh, the way the year's panned out. 
Okay, Patrick Cripps. Now, the reason I've thrown, thrown him in our list here, Jeff, for this podcast, is that he's coming off a one-week rest, and he's going to be fresh. Now, at that price of 582k, again, one of those things, if I had a said to you pre-season, you're going to get 582 for Patrick Cripps, and he's going to be a little bit fresh after a week off. Break even a 120, but who cares at this stage? But fresh off a, after a week off, Jeb, I'm interested here. Yeah, so am I, because I can actually um, afford it in terms of, of how I structure my trades. I've already played with it. Um, and he has, you know, 107 against Hawthorne earlier this year, 125 free, against Freeman earlier this year. So a couple of the lesser teams there that he plays, and guess what? He plays North Melbourne this week. So, yeah, it could be um, could be a little sneaky play. Yeah. Dan Houston, he's actually struggled the last couple of weeks. 56.5 average. No recommendation here to trade him in. Uh, 569k, 111 break-even. I think we need to see another couple of weeks to figure out what's going on here, Jeff. Mate, you know how much I love pre-planning my trades two, three rounds ahead, and he, this was the week he was going for me, and then all this injury carnage happened. So, yeah, he stays. You avoid him at all costs. I don't know what's up. It's... Yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a strange one. Yeah, he's uh, seeing a lot of positions uh, between the arcs, so he's not really hanging behind that ball. So, yeah, he's uh, it's certainly dried up for him, that's for sure. Okay, we're going to go on to Jack Bowes now. So 74 last week. He was a little bit of a target in that top 25, Jeff. So 561K, break even 69. I still like it here, Jeff. Yeah, I don't mind it as, as well. I think if you're looking for that cheap defender option, I think it's him or, or Newman that um, you pull the trigger on. As good as Nick Haynes was for a few weeks, so his last three, he's averaged 59 points, so it's no good. No recommendation here, 551k, break even a 110, No, avoid at all costs. So we're going to talk a couple of Tigers just to finish off here. Uh, so it's pretty much Dusty's out of the team who's going to replace it. We did discuss Shea Bolton there for a few minutes. So Jack Graham, 97 last week, 550k and 75 break even. Jeff, any interest there whatsoever? He can score. He can definitely score, um, and he, he's proven that in the past. But the biggest, obviously, the appeal with Graham is he's a forward. So he's a mid-forward, 550k. Oh, look... Talk about um, a bit, this is a left field pick for me and just too risky. So uh, Tigers coach Damien Hardwick has suggested that he wants to keep players in their positions for the remainder of the season. Now, when Dusty went down, Liam Baker went into that midfield. Now, we know that Liam Baker has gone into that midfield previously. Is this a situation where Baker is going to go back in? Maybe. So what we'll, what I'll do this week is to monitor news to see what Baker is going to do if Hardwick actually gives that away in his press conference. Um, and he can score when he goes in there. So 525k, if you're desperate, it's someone you might want to look at. But he has to be in that midfield for me, break 71 last week and break even of 82, Jeff. No, as, as a, even if he does get a midfield role, you still couldn't do it. I um, I think that... That there's better better plays to make than, than Baker. Okay, on to a few players from the listeners. Thank you for sending those in. Time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast. Jep, we're going to do a nine pack to finish off. So Jacob Hopper, 678k, break even of 78. Jep? Like him. Okay, Rowan Marshall? Yeah, love him. So obviously that's not this week, that's next of week, course. yes? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, Jack Steele. Now, we both like, but are we going to exhaust whatever bank we've got left and spend up at 945k? That's you know, yeah, he's had just a monster six weeks, hasn't he? Um, I love him. I, I, I couldn't I, even the way my team's structured, I actually can't do it. I want to do it, but I can't do it. But if I could, I would. Yeah, I'm a like there as well. So Tim Kelly, dislike for me. Yeah, dislike as well. Uh, Hugh McCluggage. Uh, now, if Neil was out for a period of time, I would like McCluggage there, but not with Neil in that team. 689k. Uh, for me, I'm going to say dislike. I do like him, but I dislike in the situation. Yeah, no. Yeah, dislike at this point of the season. Cam Guthrie's a like for me. Love. Now, this one was sent in by a listener. Uh, it was Sam Walsh. I wonder who sent that in, Jep. Oh, it wasn't me, but um, it was certainly you know, me. That's a, it was a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> it was certainly me. I sent it in. We need to talk about him. Not really. Uh, look, his last four games, he's the number one rank. He's the number two ranked player. So the only player to average better than him over that same period is Jack Steele, who we just talked about. So Steele has averaged one thirty-nine point five from his last four, ranked number one, and Walsh has averaged 134.5 jet. Now, he gets nailed by uh, Matt DeBoer, and a few teams beyond that could have thrown a tag at Walsh, and it pretty much hasn't panned out that way. Now, once he got to the Collingwood game, it was that was going to be no tape, is that the Maypies just don't do that. And it was just a free-for-all on the weekend against the Maypies, and he scored 155 points jet. Yeah, um, amazing. Uh, he plays North and Saints over the next two, and North can, could tag, but I doubt it. Um, Saints, I expect him to cop it a bit of attention. So, is it a like? Yeah, yeah, it's a love. Yeah, I've got to say it's a like, and thanks for sending that in, Pete. That was actually a pretty good question <laughs> there. All right, Luke Parker, 735k, no ownership there whatsoever, Jeff. Yeah, I, look, I like it. I think it's a smart play. Yeah, I like as well. And Shay Bolton. Um, it's a bit risky, but yeah, if you're really desperate down at that price, I do like. But I'm going to sit on, well, I'm pretty much going to say no, like, if you can find a different option, Chip. Yeah, just like for me as well. I think there are better better players with a higher ceiling. Chip, final thoughts ahead of round 19. So on top of the news, gee whiz, you know, everything's changing so quickly, and the Marshall news today is an example of that. So... Yeah, just make sure you stay on top of everything, having backup plans, and, and enjoy the round of footy. I think the decision this week is Josh Kelly, what how people make uh, go in with their decisions into round 19, and whether they hold a trade or trust that Kelly is going to play. I think that actually could could put up a bit of a differential if he was laid out. So, do you hold some, a trade or you don't hold a trade going into that last game? Some might need to trust him though, mate. That's the problem. There's other. There's other issues at hand where um, they might be forced to trust him and, and and hope for the best. Yeah, bench cover there, and obviously utility bench cover. If you've got, you got some there with the DPP status there as well that you can cover both the midfield and forward. So, yeah, bench cover there, but definitely the Josh Kelly decision is really huge this week, how people trade into that. So monitor the news on Kelly, and obviously anything that pops up, I'll throw that on AFL Ratings' Twitter account for everyone. All right, Jeff, that's it for Episode 103. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.